0: A lot of our investors ask us that because a lot of our investors um, are unable to get mortgages and that's why they come to us and invest with us because they can take part in the advantages of real estate uh, without having to get the mortgage. And so we get mortgages by simply having a good reputation. It's a combination of things. Reputation, um, having a good track record on making prior mortgage payments with a particular bank or just in general. It also goes to having a BBB, Better Business Bureau ranking, being accredited with them and uh, just generally having good relationships. A lot of times bankers will come into our office, they'll sit in this conference room, they'll interview us or we'll interview them and they'll look around the office and we're established. We've been here over five years and that's one of the things banks uh, look at before they make a mortgage.
1: All right, we are live on Facebook. We are recording right now. This is the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fragnito. We have Seth Martinez here today. Say hi, Seth. Thank you, Aaron. Hi, everybody. All right. Glad Seth could join us. We're here at the PCG office. A snowstorm is about to come, but we've decided to do the Passive Cash Flow podcast today because what better time to talk about real estate when the sky's about to open up with some beautiful snow landing on all the roofs of our uh, well-managed real estate. Uh, We are ready for the cold weather. We are ready for winter. We're just talking about any winterizing of vacant homes today. Very important things. Always want to make sure your vacant homes are winterized.
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: Anyway, let's not get off topic. This is the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. This is sponsored by People's Capital Group. We work with passive investors to buy apartment buildings and short-term rentals in Vermont. We focus on apartment buildings in North Jersey. Seth and I have been investing real estate together and helping investors passively get involved in real estate and make strong, consistent returns through real estate. Last uh, 10 years or so, and we just bought a $3 million building. Hooray, 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 hooray. Give ourselves a round of applause. We purchased 25 units in Patterson, New Jersey. Great purchase for us. Nice turnkey property with some value add. We're going to talk about how we found the deal today. We're going to talk about how we structured it and the value add strategy, the exit strategy as well. And let's get started here with the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification button, and check us out for new episodes every uh, couple of weeks here with People's Capital Group. All right, Mr. Martin, as you ready? Yes, sir. Excellent. Excellent. So first of all, how did we find this deal? All right.
0: Well, we found this deal uh, after about six months of looking for it and it can, kind of came to us when we least expected it, which actually happens a lot in real estate. And the contact person was just actually a realtor this time. And we had looked at one of his older buildings uh, six months or, uh, earlier and um It was a property in Hasbrook Heights. It was a similar type building. It was around three to $4 million. And uh, we built a relationship with him and we toured the property. We told him what we were looking for. And uh, when the next building of that type kind of came up, we were one of the first people he called and um, we did a quick analysis and we were able to put a letter of intent in rather quickly and follow it up with a a continuation of the relationship and um, demonstrating that we were definitely able to, closing the property. And that's what we ultimately did.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. A big part of our job is communicating with these owners for years and years on end. Just like how, when I go to raise capital from an investor, I need to build that relationship, build trust. Normally, especially if someone finds us on the internet, there's a process of getting to know each other on um, them doing their homework, us doing our homework to make sure it's a fit for the investor is same thing when you're looking to buy real estate. Um, A lot of the owners we're buying real estate from are of an older demographic and really appreciate a good handshake deal, uh, integrity, um, doing business with people they know and like and trust. Um, So it's very important to really all all demographics, all people, of course. And um, so Seth works these relationships with owners and landlords for years and years. And often they'll sell us a number of buildings over time, similar to how an investor will reinvest multiple times through the years. Um, So those relationships are so important. Uh, Real estate is a relationship business. There's no doubt about it. Our relationships are what helped us to do these things, like buy a $3 million building in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, so that's how we found the property, uh, direct mail marketing, negotiating with sellers, building those relationships with property owners over time. Um, How did we determine our purchase price?
0: All right, good question. Uh, We get that question a lot. And a lot of our clients and investors ask us, how do we determine our purchase price and what's a good purchase price? Uh, In fact, a lot of our investors come to us saying they never know when to, or where, or what price point to buy something. And it's one of the reasons they invest with us because they feel like we know how to make a good offer. Um, So uh, basically, we we do center our offer around the returns we get for our investors. We want to make sure our investors get a a solid return and that we're not over promising and that uh, we're able to do the work on the project. Our investors are able to get the returns that they uh, are asking for and that they're not required to do any work. So we manage the property and give our investors a a good, solid return. And so if it's um, a return that we don't think is good, we're not going to make an offer or we're going to make a very low offer. Uh, In this case, uh, the offer was in line with sort of the range of what the seller was asking for, and it, it worked out.
1: Exactly. So people ask us that all the time. How do you analyze these properties? How do you determine them? And not only is do we have in-depth spreadsheets and software to analyze the properties, there's also, it's really an art too. It's not just a science, right? Especially for value add and things like that, which is the next question. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at a property, it's not just numbers. It's a lot of common sense to the rules and regulations in the market, uh, what type of work you're doing, what type of uh, demographics you're dealing with, or the, the market, what type of rules you're going to be uh, dealing with. Um, and of course, um we all work that together, and we know our investors want to make around 11 to 12% cash on cash return, around a 15-plus internalized rate of return, taking into account their tax benefits. So we structure these deals um, so our investors have that. And if the if the opportunity doesn't make those types of returns for our investors, then it's not a good opportunity, and we, we move on to the next one. So the first way we underwrite a deal is we look at it. Can it give our investors these returns, these double-digit returns, we, we try to uh, target for our investors year over year? And if the answer is yes, on the surface, then we go dig deeper into multiple levels of due diligence. Um, Okay, so let's talk about value add, right? We want to buy properties where there's room to increase rents and lower expenses and find more ways to make income on the property. So what's some of the value add for this property?
0: All right, good question. Um, Well, with every property, what we do is we kind of do an analysis uh, before we buy it as part of our due diligence. And we want to look at the three parts of it, the the legal due the legal due diligence, the financial due diligence, and the physical due diligence of the building. And we kind of get an assessment of each project. In this case, um, the rents were were actually pretty good and uh, close to market rate, uh, which is another part of understanding how to add value. We have to understand what the rent control is. In New Jersey, each municipality has their own kind of guidelines uh, for rent control. Some have no rent control, some have very stringent rent control. So we want to know what that is going in. In Patterson, in this case, it's actually rather light, still there, but it's rather light. It's up to 5% a year in most cases uh, on rent increases, and there's certain exceptions for no rent control at all. So part of it is uh, creating value by raising the rents, decreasing expenses, and kind of together, you increase the net operating income, and that increases the value of the building. And then other ways are just improving the physical appearance of the building uh, as well.
1: Right, it's all about value add, right? If, if you um, buy a property and there's no way to increase the revenue over time. So we focus on properties where they've been mismanaged for some time, the expenses are out of control, rents are not up to market value, um, there's uh, lots of other forms of income like parking or storage or laundry in the basement that we can implement and take advantage of to create more forms of income. And of course, we have to work within the rules of rent control always with these properties in North Jersey where rent control is pretty prevalent. So it's a bit of a delicate dance, but we are usually able to increase the value of properties by 5% a year or more. And it may not sound like a big number when you're talking about a multimillion dollar building at over year over year over year, that 5% really makes a difference and can be exponential. Second reason we like apartment buildings is because the way apartment buildings are valued is based on its net operating income. So the more we force the net operating income up, That's called forced equity. The more equity we create, right? Higher net operating income, the property is worth more. It's like a business. The more money a business makes, the more it's worth. Same with commercial real estate. So we force that net operating income up. That's called forced equity. That's called value add, and that's our value. Not only do we negotiate prices below market value because we have years long relationships with property owners, then we buy the property. We have our own management company to manage the properties to a T increase the value of the real estate by increasing that net operating income and therefore producing better cash flow, better returns to our investors and and repeat. Excellent. Okay, so how did we structure this deal? All
0: right. Good question. Um, Well, we structured the deal with both a mortgage and with our investors. So we we were able to offer this to investors so they can come in and take part in the deal. Um, And we also were able to do that while getting a mortgage and taking advantage of the very low interest rates, which we can then share with our investors as well. So our investors were able to get in the deal and get a great interest rate for part of the uh, purchase price. And that's sort of a, it's called a syndication. So in this case, it was 75% uh, mortgage, 25% uh, investors and um, a little on top for closing costs and uh, worked out well. And again, this gave our investors the opportunity to join us in this venture.
1: Absolutely, we brought in about, uh, I think it was 15 investors overall. We raised about a million dollars. The bank brought in a loan for a little over $2 million. We purchased the building for just over $3 million. Seth and I personally guarantee that mortgage that allowed for an interest rate, I think around 3.75%. So it's a perfect storm for buying commercial real estate right now because interest rates are low, and rent is high, right? rent prices are high. So the money coming in from the building is, is strong and high rent demand is strong right now. We have lines out the door for our vacant units most of the time. Uh, so the, the collection of rent is strong, rent prices are strong but the cost of money, the cost of debt is low. So it's really a good time to be investing in commercial real estate we find because of those two reasons. And the way we structure our syndication is the investors bring in the capital for the down payment and, and operating costs and we bring in the mortgage. We personally guarantee the mortgage so our investors don't have to, which is a huge benefit because if you were to buy real estate yourself, you'd have to personally guarantee that mortgage. That's a huge risk. You're personally liable for that that mortgage, that large amount of debt, and in commercial real estate, that could be millions of dollars. So Seth and I personally guarantee that because of our faith in our in our business, our faith in our selection of real estate and our ability to manage that real estate long-term with our management company. And our investors have that faith in us as well, um, as do our banks, because we've been underwritten by them many times and banks like people that have a lot of real estate wealth. So we are able to secure very good terms on that mortgage because of uh, the way we look on paper and our bank relationships. All right. So um, that leads to how we secured that bank loan, which I kind of partially answered, but Seth, how do we secure the, these bank loans?
0: Yeah, no, that's a good question. A lot of people ask us that as well. And a lot of our investors ask us that because a lot of our investors um, are unable to get mortgages and that's why they come to us and invest with us because they can take part in the advantages of real estate uh, without having to get the mortgage. And so we get mortgages by simply having a good reputation. It's a combination of things, reputation, reputation, Um, having a good track record on making prior mortgage payments with a particular bank or just in general. It also goes to having a BBB, Better Business Bureau ranking, being accredited Mm -hmm. with them and uh, just generally having good relationships. A lot of times bankers will come into our office, they'll sit in this conference room, they'll interview us or we'll interview them and they'll look around the office and we're established. We've been here over five years and that's one of the things banks uh, look at before they make a mortgage.
1: We show them all the properties on the wall. We, uh, you know, give them the grand tour of the office. But yeah, our, our relationships with banks are priceless. We've been working with them, borrowing from them, paying them lots of money for years now. And those relationships allow us to refinance properties very quickly, um, have our selection of banks, who we want to work with when it's time to refinance or time to purchase a building. So, therefore, we have multiple options. So, if interest rates are not where we want them to be or, you know, banking situations and costs change over in the future, those relationships help us. Um, kind of get a a different type of deal than the average bear is going to get from a lot of these banks. And, you know, commercial lending is is very relationship-based. It's not as cookie-cutter as FHA homeowner loans, which kind of are regulated by the federal government. And there's rules and regulations on what you can charge or not charge for that. Commercial banking is a little more wild west. So if you have a good relationship with a bank, you can really negotiate very good terms on that mortgage. And that's exactly what Seth and I do. And the better the terms are on the mortgage, the more cash flow, the more value we bring to our investors. All right, what is the exit strategy, Mr. Martinez for this property? Uh, good
0: question. Um, so in real estate, I think Aaron and I have come to the conclusion that selling real estate is really not an ideal situation unless you're doing a single family flip, um, which we do as well. But we focus on the apartment buildings and long-term wealth, which means holding properties for a long-term and not just benefiting our company and ourselves, but our clients and our investors. And so that really means 15, 20, 30 years, although we do allow our investors to exit a deal every three to five years when we refinance it. Um, But long-term, the money is really in holding the real estate and taking advantage of the market appreciation. Markets always go up historically in real estate. They do have their down moments, uh, but historically the long-term trends are all up. So we wanna hold those real estate, especially in a good market like the New York City metropolitan market, or if you're on the, in the on the West Coast, LA, the two largest markets, the his- history always shows them going up. So mm-hmm. that's the long-term plan.
1: Absolutely, we execute the buy, renovate, refinance strategy. And not only does that allow us to harvest that equity growth that we force into the property over time and then harvest natural growth of real estate, which should be buying good areas like we do. We're buying a building right now in downtown Newark. We just bought this uh, $3 million building in, in Patterson there near the downtown area, the Great Falls area, near opportunity zones. These areas increase in value naturally as well, as long as the property is professionally managed as ours are. Um, so we execute that buy, renovate, refinance strategy that allows our, ten, our, our investors to harvest that equity growth, get a large check deposited into their account themselves, but not have to pay taxes on it if they choose not to exit. So investors have that exit option to exit each refinance, get back their initial investment, keep the funds earned from the cash flow, keep the funds earned from the refinance, but then you're going to have to pay taxes on that money you earned. So a better tax strategy, and this is what Seth and I implement. This is how we pay ourselves. This is why we pay very little tax. Uh, It's a great strategy is we buy, renovate, refinance, and we stay invested in the properties long-term. We refinance three, maybe four times over time. And then we go to trade into a bigger property with the 1031 tax exchange. That's a whole nother podcast. Uh, I've done podcasts on that, so check them out. But we plan on selling the building, working with a third-party company, trading into a bigger building, deferring all taxes, and then rents and repeat. And it's the tool that uh, the wealthy use to get wealthier and wealthier. And it's a tool that we should be using and any regular old investor should be using to build their wealth, give less money to the tax man. And it's really a tool in real estate that's quite popular. You you can't necessarily do it with stocks or things like that. So um, it's a credible tax tool in real estate, the 1021 Tax Exchange. And we're of the opinion that professionally well-managed real estate in in high-demand markets uh, you know, like a lot of real estate syndicates, they'll buy and they'll sell three to three, four years later, they'll, they'll get in, they'll get out. We don't really like that plan. Not only do you get nailed on taxes, but then um, you lost your cash flow machine. Right? So you lost your tax depreciation machine, right? Real estate offers tax write-offs and cash flow. And if, if done right, a large cash out refinance over time. So we use the buildings uh, to continue to make returns for our investors through those multiple avenues. So why sell and get taxed, right? We might <laughs> trade into a bigger building over time is our long-term strategy. And we find a lot of other syndicates don't offer that long-term indefinite option to invest, and we all offer multiple exit options through the years, but if you choose to invest long-term, which is the best ta- tax strategy, we do offer that indefinite option where a lot of other syndicates say, mm, you can't invest with us indefinitely. You're going to have to exit at year five or seven, or so, and that's fine, but then there can be tax consequences to that.
0: So, And then sometimes, they, to add to that, sometimes they make the decision for the investor when they can leave with us, it's every three to five years, it's the investor's choice.
1: Exactly. So. They the option exit, multiple option exit options. And that flexibility is one of the things our investors love. And that's why they keep on coming back for more and more investment opportunities through the years. So that brings me to my final question, Mr. Martinez. Uh, how did we raise the capital for this opportunity in the middle of a uh, pandemic? In the
0: middle of a pandemic. Who would have thunk it? Who uh, thunk it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of businesses have taken big hits this year and they've kind of gotten smaller and not growing. And we actually grew through the pandemic. So that was a big accomplishment and a testament to both of us and our, our clients. Um, but that's the big question. Um, when I brought this deal to Aaron a year ago, it was a million dollar raise on a $3 million purchase. And we didn't know if we were going to raise the money. And I kind of handed it off to Aaron and he got it done. And um, And I think, uh, Aaron, how did did you do that?
1: Well, man, it was really, really challenging. I'm not going to lie. You know, we have a great pool of investors, but only about a third of the investors involved in this deal, about five out of 15 were original investors that have invested with us before. Uh, Obviously, those are much easier conversations than people that are finding us on the internet or finding us through our webinars on on meetup.com. You know, they may have never met us in person. So that's a longer term relationship you need to really build over time, which is not always easy to do when you can't meet in person. Um, Also, everyone, you know, this was uh, during the summer, right? We're talking May, June, July, August. This is a wild time when people really didn't know what the economy was going to do. Now there's a bit more of a light at the end of the tunnel. We, we, We see a wave kind of coming out of this. There were a lot of talking heads this summer saying that the economy was going to bomb out you know and of course the the true effects of the pandemic still have yet to be realized but we do see a light at the end of the tunnel but raising a million dollars in the middle of a pandemic from new investors we're meeting online on youtube on facebook right uh, it, it was really a quite a challenge a lot of phone calls a lot of conversations but i think it's a testament to our track record to the testimonials from our our current investors and just our infrastructure that we have in place. I mean, we have our own management company. We manage everything in house. We're personally guaranteeing the mortgage, which really shows our we're in it to win it. Our skin in the game. So, you know, Seth and I, uh, we've been doing this long enough to know the important parts of this business. The know the important parts that, that have to be just nailed to a tee. You know, property management, banking relationships, bookkeeping and accounting, uh, communication with your investors. These are areas you cannot falter. You you have to be focused on year after year, month after month. You have to hit the marks and and keep that communication going through good times and bad. And I I think we've done that pretty well this year. We bought a million dollar building over the summer. We bought a $3 million building in fall. We did two more real estate syndications in Southern Vermont over uh, just the last couple months. So we've done four syndications this year in the middle of a pandemic where a lot of other companies were closing their doors and not pivoting. Um, where we actually really, really were able to pivot and succeed. And uh, all right, very good stuff. So that's it for now. everybody. We talked about how we acquired this $3 million 25 unit building in the Great Falls uh, section of Patterson, New Jersey, near a federal opportunity zone. Uh, we explained how we structured it, how we found the deal, how we raised the capital, how we worked with our bank to purchase it. So, if you want to learn how you can get qualified to invest in these properties and start making consistent cash flow, consistent tax benefits, and that large check upon the refinance, you go to peoplescapitalgroup.com. Check out our website. We have a podcast there. We have tons of information. We have webinars you can sign up for that are coming up. We have recordings of past webinars. And uh, click the button to apply, to, to invest, apply to qualify on our website. That'll bring you to a simple application form you can fill out. And if qualified, you can start learning more about upcoming private offerings here at People's Capital Group. And it all starts at peoplescapitalgroup.com. Go there to learn more. That's it for today. All right. Thank you, Mr. Martinez, for joining us. Do you have snow tires on your car? Uh, no, but uh, I'm going to look into that. There's no snow. <laughs> it's two, uh, three o'clock. They, they, there's literally, sure. currently going on in New Jersey, there's a uh, state of emergency. You know, you look outside, it's a beautiful day. A little overcast. State of emergency, it's overcast. Who knows? It'll probably be six feet of snow in uh, two hours. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. I'm Aaron Fregnio, People's Scout.